1: well, good evening everyone, good afternoon, good uh, morgan, uh, whatever. Welcome to Ghost Chronicles International, I am Ron Kohler, your host. And with me all the way across that cold Atlantic Ocean is the gold standard in ghost hunting, Mr. Steve Parsons. Good afternoon. Yeah, welcome aboard.
0: Oh, thank you. Mm.
1: So anyways, uh, I do want to uh, give a shout out uh long time listener and fan of the show but someone actually likes the show uh tony handyman so uh tony uh if you're listening because you are because you're a long time listener and fan of the show that's your shout out so there you go anyways uh last week i believe i was yeah last week uh i talked about uh audio and uh it was a hundred hertz, and I think I said megahertz, so I was wrong on that. And it's a it's an interesting phenomenon. In fact, we we tried to use it at the Red Light Sands last night because it's supposed to help you go into a meditative state. And uh, are you familiar with this,
0: Steve? Or well, uh, y- yes, um, but you, what confused me last week was the frequencies and you saying that it flipped the brain over yeah but yeah um it's been around since what the 60s hasn't it this idea of playing subliminal stuff to fiddle with your brain waves help you meditate
1: yeah it, it, it's what it is is I was talking about one of the uh or whatever they're called GMs whatever it was called and uh, it's a chamber anyways. And uh, back in the day, the almost pre civilization day, if you could say it, because some of, the, some of these chambers are older than uh, the pyramids and, uh, and they are attuned to this frequency. So, well, I mean
0: they- well, yes and no. I mean, if you take any box, if you mm-hmm. take any room or chamber, it has more than one fundamental frequency. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, because there'll be a, a, a resonant frequency end-to-end, there'll be a resonant frequency side-to-side and up and down. And they'll all interact as well together. So you have harmonic frequencies and secondary frequencies. So it, it isn't clear. The sound inside a, a room, if you imagine um, a bathtub, the surface of the water in a bathtub, and then you violently move your hand through it, and then you see ripples and waves going in every direction, that's, that's kind of like what it is. And then on top of that, if you start to move the water from end to end, you get the fundamental notes underneath everything.
1: Some of these chambers were constructed to operate at this frequency. They are especially, the design of them is... is uh, uh, enhances the, the the waves himself, and and the special cutouts in the walls and everything. I mean, it, it's it's an intriguing thing because, I mean, these are oracle chambers we're talking about, where people went to, either speak to the gods or the dead, and uh, so they would design. But the thing that really intrigued me is how how do they know to to be able to construct these to make these
0: chambers resonate at those particular um, frequencies? Well, we don't know. Um, But what we do know is that sometimes, you know, we assume that they were designed like that Mm -hmm. because we don't actually know. But, you know, there are quite a few buildings around the world um, where you have some very strange acoustics that are entirely accidental, the Whispering Gallery in St. Paul's Cathedral in London being one. Mm -hmm. Um, There is an old Victorian Martello Tower, not very far from here. And if you stand in one particular spot beneath the brick roof, it also happens at Derby Jail as well. But there is a, a particular place where if you stand, you get a weird double voice. So it can happen entirely by chance. Yeah. And then once you notice it happening entirely by chance, then, you know, people might start to play around with it. You know, if we move that old wolf fur against that wall, it stops doing it. We'll put it back. Oh, look, it's come back again. And... I mean, it, you've been in plenty of concert auditoriums and recording uh, radio studios where you mm-hmm. see these uh, weird shaped tiles and um, curtains hanging to change the acoustics. Yeah, we have those in our studios. for Exactly. A exactly. Time. And, it, you know, ancient cavemen, they make a noise, you know, they're talking. and That sounds pretty strange. Come here. Have a listen to that. And then they notice that if, you know, the wife moves or they move or the the cooking pot moves to a different part, it doesn't do it. So they put it back, and it does do it. So, you know, they were the same people that we were. They were just as curious as we were, and I'm just as smart
1: in some ways.
0: Yeah, and I'm guessing it wouldn't have been long before some bright spark realised that you can make these things. Not quite to order, but you can take the chamber and tune it Mm -hmm. because we do, you know, we do. We do it with home hi-fi, don't we? You know, um, the other rooms and people built the other rooms in their homes. Exactly. And most people don't spend a fortune. They don't spend thousands of dollars on special acoustic tiles. They they do it by ear. You know, they they move furniture around they open and close the drapes they move the speakers around until it sounds right to them
1: yeah it, it's just i you know we, we think of you know early man as is is being ignorant but you know in a lot of ways they, they're they extremely smart because they we have knowledge that was passed down to us through various methods they didn't at the time that they, they had to discover this stuff on their own of course, unless it was ancient aliens that told them everything. well. The
0: where story. did our knowledge come from? From them. Mm-hmm. Exactly. <laughs> you know, they learned it. They passed it down. Now, yeah, we do it in books and the Internet now, but they did it in song. They did it in stories, sagas, um, you know, by word of mouth. Sure. And, gradu- and gradually, thousands of years later, that, that gets written down. What's interesting is, no, they weren't, they were absolutely not stupid people. In fact, Chrome Magnon Man, one of our um, pre Homo sapien ancestors, had a much larger brain capacity than we did. Than we do, I should say. Really? Yeah. So potentially. Are we
1: it, sheer size? Sheer size?
0: Uh, well, yes. I mean, the largest of the human species of brain was um i'm sure it's Cro-Magnon but we our our brains have got more compact since then as you can watch just by you know turning the news on (laughs) we are regressing Mm -hmm. you think I know so. I mean here's one, the the big news the, I, mean, the Ang- tri- I was gonna say the Anglican Church today decided that God doesn't have a gender official. Oh really? Stunning, isn't it? Which oh uh, which would whatever. which
1: would make sense in a in a way of uh what you determined God to be, you know. Yeah, but it
0: buggers up the Lord's prayer, doesn't it? Yeah, <laughs> which yeah, every child learned in school. <laughs> mm. Mm. And yeah, Shakespearean plays now here in the UK before it's it's, yeah. it's
1: crazy the, the way the world, they come world is today. with a trigger uh, warning.
0: Shakespearean plays come with a trigger warning. Do they really? Yep. Uh, for misogyny, patriarchy, and I don't know something else. Oh, life is so tough, isn't it? I know. Well, I, because as you as you recall from last week's show, um, uh, Dylan and Bridget are just about to start their world tour of Ireland. So they, she's arrived in the UK and has discovered that we pay less than three dollars a dozen for eggs. <laughs> <laughs> Mm-hmm. Same, yeah, yeah. I don't uh, think you bought gas yet though do mm-hmm. but
1: anyways uh you know it it's it, it just intrigued me was was how that that first the concept, how we we got to you know, what we, where we are now. And, and and everybody likes to say, well, we couldn't possibly do that. It's always, uh, you know, some alien race is doing it to
0: us. You know, it's, it's giving us well, the knowledge. We, we, cr- really. no, we just don't give ourselves enough credit. No. You know, we we look at the pyramids and go, oh, we couldn't possibly build them. Have a look at a medieval cathedral.
1: Oh, God, yes.
0: Look at Notre Dame. Huh. Yeah built that. Oh, that's okay. That was medieval builders. They were educated.
1: That's like the big stones, you know, the the giant stones in a lot of the ancient construction. It's like, oh, how could they possibly have moved them? And there are so many theories on how they they did it, of course, because no one was around back
0: then. Uh, But they were all around back then. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) They did it because, you know, where there's a will, there's a way. If you want to put a rock on top of another rock and then put them all in a circle, you'll do it. Mm -hmm. Because, you know, man as a species, mankind. So that wasn't me being patriarchal. That was me using the old fashioned terminology for the species. So as a species, we are incredibly clever, far cleverer than a lot of People would like to give us credit for because it doesn't suit their narrative—that we're dumb monkeys that had to be rescued by aliens. Yeah.
1: Hello, uh, it's—it's interesting. There's so many. Could, there's so many cool things. Like, go ahead.
0: I was going to say, although We could do with being rescued by aliens because we're turning into a race of dumb monkeys. Hmm.
1: But, uh, you know, it's there's that uh, that that famous book, of course, that w- with all the writing that nobody can decipher. But then uh,
0: uh, I can't remember the name of it now. And I can't think of the name of it. No, I can't. I, but I was just you know, I was only looking looking at um, some images from it the other day. And
1: they've they've come through uh, running some programs and some of uh, where they 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 decide something. but it's it doesn't quite fit so
0: Skype's not, yeah Skype's misbehaving tonight. You came through doubled. There. Am I cutting out or are you cutting out? No, you're not cutting out. You're coming through doubled. That's interesting because you're cutting out on me at times too. You're not cutting out, you're coming through double. Hmm. It is what it is. All right. there's, just, there's just been a Skype update.
1: So you, hey, know, you know what, exactly. Steve? Chit chat for one second. I'm gonna reconnect, drop
0: and reconnect, okay? Okay. Um All right, well, cheers. I shall talk about what's coming back. up in Ireland um on the weekend. There you for, go. This is primarily for the UK listeners. Um if you're able to get across to Ireland or you're in the south of Ireland, you head to New Ross, um, the weekend of 17th, 18th, 19th of February. On the 18th, is there's a big paranormal gathering of the clans. It's the biggest um, paranormal convention that's been held in Ireland since the Dublin Paracons of about 10 years ago. Uh, this is Day of the Unexplained. It's in New Ross. There are still tickets available if you want to head over there. Um, you try Googling Day of the Unexplained New Ross Ireland or New Ross uh, Paranormal Convention and get yourself a ticket. The speakers include, well, me, uh, Dr. Kieran O'Keefe, Dr. Cal Cooper, um, Helena B. Scott, a whole raft of um Stalls, uh, selling paranormal equipment, uh, crystals. I think there'll be readings there. So that's all coming up on the weekend of the, uh, well, it's on Saturday, the 18th of February. In New Ross, County Wexford. And I'm back. There you go. Just did a plug for the Day of the Unexplained.
1: Excellent. Excellent. So you can hear me all right now?
0: Me, perfectly. I could hear you perfectly throughout. It was just at times you were doubling up. It was like there was two of you with about a half-second delay between both of you.
1: Yeah, I, I think there may be a problem with uh, my computer. I think uh Roy yeah. was telling me that I may have an app, and I may have a, Skypes on the web, so they might be both opening
0: at the same time or, or whatever. And there's just been a Skype update within the oh. last couple of hours. So. Fair enough. Probably not very stable anyway.
1: Anyway, so that was, uh, you know, it was an interesting thing. I, I had watched the documentary on on, uh, on that particular chambers and, and the early man in that, and that's where I came up with the idea of that 100 hertz because they did, did connect a person
0: to... Uh, so, uh, what, they, so, so tell me more about the what happened at the seance then because you've used it did you use 100 hertz or
1: no i did i used a a variation so it wasn't uh quite frankly i i didn't see a difference a big difference between it uh so i i want to do more research and i definitely want to what uh, were you playing it back? Through? And the sound, the sound wasn't that great either. So that was the, the other no,
0: problem. Well, I, I mean, the sound that you produce is obviously dependent on the speakers. So mm-hmm. if you know if the speakers aren't in range, plus the speakers themselves could be generating harmonics. It was a big problem we had when we were generating infrasound, um, okay. because we only wanted the bits that you can't hear, the infrasound bits. But obviously, we were causing you know, other things in the room to, to vibrate as well. which is a difficult yeah. thing, right? Incredibly difficult thing. Mm-hmm. But, you know, it takes a, eventually, I mean, we never completely 100% solved it. That's impossible. Mm-hmm. Um, but we, we were able to eliminate most audible sound.
1: So what the best way to do is like to, to hook uh, headphones up on
0: everyone. That would be by far the best way because you can isolate all of the room acoustics from the situation. Yeah. Um, but if people bring their own headphones, you're reliant upon, you know, some models of headphones are, you know, um, not as good as somebody else's. So if somebody's got a big pair of over-ear cans, studio monitor types, they're the very best you can use. But somebody might turn up with, you know, these little earbuds. And mm-hmm. um, they've got little teeny weeny speakers, and the frequency range isn't that great.
1: Yeah, well, we'll play around with it. I I'm, I want to do some more because the they believe that the chamber that was I'm talking about the GM chamber in Malta, and uh, it was uh, that's where they of course there was like eight thousand uh,
0: bodies that they found in that place. You know, the, I was going to say the most reliable way of doing it is use two speakers and offset the, but you'd have to have two. Presumably you're generating the tone, the, the original hundred hertz tone or whatever frequency right. you decide upon. You you're using a computer to generate that. Right. Yeah. Well, if you if you you the way you can refine it and get a very precise tone is to use two computer generators and two speakers, both independent systems. Oh. So if you want to generate a very low frequency, well, if you want to generate 100 hertz reliably mm-hmm. and accurately, you um, you set up one system running at, say, 100 hertz is a difficult one to achieve, but um, it's some product. So if you had two at 50 hertz, um, they would produce 100, and they would null themselves out So the... So if you phase them correctly, it's very easy to do. Jim would know how to do it. Um, you generate two 50 hertz tones and just anti-phase them. Mm. So you would then end up with one pure 100 hertz tone and no um, n- no 50 hertz tone.
1: Right. And, and the thing is that why I'm so intrigued is, is because um, sound is, is an important part of a lot of... Uh, Uh, rituals and uh, religions, you know, I mean, you have everything from the singing bowls to the, to the Gregorian chants to, you know, they're all, you know, why aren't the Gregorian chants going up in the high range and everything else? No, they're, they're in that range, that hundred Hertz range, which is a low, low range, uh, a low, deep sound. Uh, So that's, it's intriguing. The, the
0: more There's I, a really good book on the subject. Um, there is. Yeah, Paracoustics. Yeah.
1: <laughs> okay, I'll uh, have to check it out.
0: Which I believe covers, I have a
1: copy on my shelf. Or is which that covers, my...
0: You know, I mean, there is a whole load of chapters that cover things like um, music and the paranormal and how music music tones are used to invoke feelings and sensations and impressions um sound is used by video gamers um uh, in order to incredibly control the heart rate and the amount of adrenaline that's produced mm-hmm. so makes the the gamer more engaged
1: yeah we know uh, that we know that just in in popular music because there are certain uh, songs yeah. that will bring you up and other songs that will
0: not only will, that yeah songs uh, i'm sure you and jan uh, as most people do have um other, yeah, you know, because songs can invoke memory right. uh, very powerfully. In fact, sound can invoke memory very powerfully. It unlocks a lot of memories, and most couples um, will have a their song or our song, and it it's like a way of transporting them back to a particular time and place, or you know, unlocking emotional thoughts and feelings of you know, connected to their relationship and to one another. So sound is, you know, it controls almost every aspect of our daily in, you know, daily selves. Um, it's, it's an incredibly powerful force in our lives.
1: So when you have people that are, uh, you know, hearing impeded or, or death, uh, I wonder if they have
0: different effects I, mean, I, I can answer that question. Okay, because the answer to that is it affects them just the same. It does. The the vibrations. The, yeah, they. We don't. It's 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 a bit of a myth that we hear with our ears. In in, in actual fact, our ears are just part of our acoustic sensing system. Uh, we actually hear sound with our entire body, because. You know, the ears hear a range of frequencies between, nominally between about 20 hertz and 20,000 hertz. But we we respond to a range of frequencies far greater than that because we perceive sound rather than hear sound at a much broader range of frequencies. So, yep, deaf people, there are plenty of deaf musicians in the world. Uh, True, fair sure enough, yep. Um, you know, sound is just as important to someone who is profoundly deaf as it is to everybody else.
1: And even, I mean, the, the, this this whole thing about our senses and everything. I mean, the uh, one thing that I w- was never aware of until uh, uh, a few years ago, of course, is that, you know, blind people suffer from different conditions where... Uh, they don't have the day and the night, and it affects their body in certain other ways, which is intriguing. Which which makes sense because we know that in, when uh, these CIA and other places that they they'll use uh, uh, they use sound, but they also use light as well to uh, as a, as a form of torture, uh, and, and the same as. The, the absence of light we, they would put you in uh you know solitary confinement in a in a, in a simple room with no light at all so uh, all our senses are important uh working together so y- yes i think that sound is important in some instances but light is also a very very oh come off to break yep anyway it's very uh important for our other senses as well.
0: All our senses are very important, but the I, I I would suggest that that um, in priority, sound is is the most important. Hmm. It's the one that we, if we lived in a world, a vacuum, a, uh, you know, an acoustic vacuum where there were no vibration sensations, no sound, no. I think that would be much worse than living in a world without light, vision. I'm not sure. Uh, in imagine... fact, when we come back from the break, I'll tell you a story about a blind a blind man I used to know and a conversation I had with him. Okay, but I, I know so, okay, yeah, because I also wanted to talk about uh, a
1: uh, particular ghost story, I guess you would say even. Anyways, um, yeah, we're coming up to the break. You're listening to Ghost Chronicles International with Steve Parsons and Ron Kolick right here on Toad Net. And we are brought to you by our very good friends on Ghost Chronicles Radio on Patreon. And uh, just added the video today, it's, uh, it's from uh, Spirit Quest last year of Anne Carrigan's uh, Panic Room, which was uh, a very popular item at uh, Spirit Quest last year and uh, maybe making a regular appearance. Who knows? But uh, anyways, we are also brought to you by Circles of Wisdom, 386 Memorek Street in Massachusetts. The Glant Messier Family Law Group, 15 High Street, not the Andover, Massachusetts. And uh, well, that's that's about it. Stay tuned as we come back and Steve will be telling us uh, about. Uh, experience he had with a blind person and then I will be talking about a ghost. In the darkness. We'll be right back.
0: spooky, they all talk ugly gooky the Parrax family. The shows are paranormal, not stuffy but informal, the topics are abnormal, the Parrax family. They're strange, deranged, unrestrained, so grab your favorite rule. it's time to rendezvous. Welcome back to the second half of the first half of tonight's two-hour Ghost Chronicles special. This is the international edition with your host, New England's own Van Helsink. And over here in lush, lovely Wales, the gold standard. And we were talking about the senses and sound. And I was going to say, I used to, an acquaintance of mine was, uh, had been profoundly blind uh, all of his life. Uh, Mm -hmm. Born blind. Uh, had never seen, never been able to see. And um, in a conversation we were having one day, um, he said he never wanted to see, which struck me as a sighted person being somewhat odd. And I asked him why, Um, you know, why would you not want to see? He said, because I have a whole world that I have constructed. Um, You know, I, because I can see in my brain, I just can't see with my eyes. Mm-hmm. And I have got an entire world that I have visualized inside my head. And the reality of seeing the real world, I don't want to because it would, you know, be completely at odds with the world I've constructed and the world in which I live. Hmm. That makes sense, so he's created basically an avatar world, yeah, um but you know he sees he sees in his brain and he sees when he dreams, but he sees the world that he's created mm-hmm. that he's constructed um because you know we had this conversation well you know what' do you see when you dream
1: it's it's interesting Steve, is as, as, as you say that now he sees you know. And you, you throw the word sees, but what does he really see? In other words, well, do we, I, it, I as a per, know. am I a person? Do I look like a person to him or do I look like oh, yes. something entirely yes. no, different? No, because no, 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 he man. wouldn't know how see, you can't say. Yeah, he, yeah.
0: He, he doesn't know what you look like, of course. Exactly. Right. And he has a concept of. You know, he's got other senses, so he's got the sense of touch, for example, and he's married. All right, now I get it. All right, all right. So so he does know the general shape of a human being, and he does doesn't know know know, the
1: shape of all things,
0: though. That's what I'm saying. No, he doesn't, because, you know, but he knows the basic. He knows what a chair is, a table. uh, How? Because he's got the sense of touch and because he's got three-dimensional awareness. So
1: he is able by touching to tell you the construction of that chair that it has four rounded legs, maybe a piece of there, a, an old yeah, back, because, and
0: because he's using touch mm-hmm. and three dimensional spatial awareness to construct his picture. So it, if he in like his in so his yeah, but in his world, if he's
1: building, you know, if he's if he's living in a house he might be able to visually touch all the furniture, but he does not know what that house really is like. I mean, he doesn't know what it looks like, so how can he construct this house? He knows it has doors and windows. That. No, yeah. but isn't that intriguing, though? I mean, you know, well, he constructed this world, but without ever seeing anything, so that's the we, thing that's amazing well, you, you and I, you,
0: you, well, you and I could never comprehend it because right. we don't have his, his disability or his ability yeah. but but the human you know we don't use our senses in isolation so yeah they are combined i get that they are completely combined mm-hmm. so you know our brain is able to do really stupendous clever things and it can use you know it makes three dimensional maps of its world based upon you know sound and touch and other you know other things and of course people tell him well you know a basic house it's got a door and a window and a door is a square frame it opens blah 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 so he's i mean he wasn't a young man he was in his 50s so he's had a lifetime of learning and processing all of this information Mm -hmm. to construct his world i don't know what it looks like only he does. I know that's the interesting but he, said, that he can construct this in itself. It but just, he says, you know, he sees when he dreams. Right. But he sees and, you know, his descriptions of what how he how he sees, perceives, I think is a better word, um the world is remarkably close to, you know, when he was describing things to me, how he perceives them, he wasn't far off you know, he might have missed a corner here and there and you know got the shape of the roof wrong but generally he was in the he, he was in the same ballpark oh, that's cool that's interesting so, that's, that's but you know baby. babies you know it's Ba- babies are born with incredible skills. Anyway, let's do the ghost. Let's do the. big I should just end on anybody who. There is only one book that's ever been written about sound and the paranormal. It is the. It is the textbook on the subject, uh, and you can get it off Amazon. It's called Paracoustics. It has chapters on Who's all the aspects. Uh, Dr. Cal Cooper and myself. Oh, very good. Um, and it has you know multiple chapters written by specialists. Uh, research is in 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 each field uh so psychology of sound and how sound relates to ghosts or or music relates to paranormal experiences it's paracoustics it's available on amazon paracoustics Mm. sound and the paranormal it is the only textbook that i'm aware of that that you know people who are interested in sound excellent
1: and, uh, you know, I was just thinking as you were talking about paracoustics, because uh, uh, going back to my 100 hertz, I'm thinking about the God Helmet, which you gave me the plans to. And mm-hmm. we built, uh, but we put it in pink or white noise. I mean, depending on, on what Yeah, we're but doing.
0: the God Helmet doesn't work by using sound.
1: Ah, but it is. There is a...
0: There well, is, why that why should I well because it's an electromagnetic wave and that's not that's very different than a sound wave which is in a pressure wave in air
1: yes but okay so you are pumping electromagnetic waves that you could very well at that same time could you not be pumping in
0: 100 hertz you are pumping 100 hertz but it's 100 hertz electromagnetic wave not 100 hertz air pressure wave so why can't
1: you do a, a pressure wave
0: because you the God Helmet doesn't work like that unless you put speakers in it. It does have speakers.
1: I mean, we could have. put speakers. We're the. We're the well, you could. Out. You yeah. could. Well, that's what I'm saying. Why,
0: why not step because it up? The God, went... Well, nobody's done it, because the God Helmet is a specific device that was built for a specific experiment. Mm-hmm. And, and what, what, was, what was the purpose of it? To generate 100, well below 100 hertz electromagnetic waves at the brain to to see what the brain would do and it did in fact alter the brain's um brainwave responses exactly yeah but that's not the same thing you, no, you are...
1: we, so we add we add this other dimension to it so yeah so... but
0: nobody's ever done it so you'd be a first be oh, groundbreaking. There experiment. you go. So we'll be working on that, evidently. <laughs> well, it would be truly groundbreaking. And if if you get any results, then you should properly write them up in a paper, submit them for peer review, and we'll publish them in the Journal for the Society for Psychical Research. Mm-hmm.
1: Okay. I mean, do that. I think that's something I would definitely want to give a because shot if you publish at. It on
0: Facebook, possible. Because if you publish on Facebook, it won't have any credibility. I,
1: would, I mean, no offense, Steve, but I don't publish stuff on Facebook. Well, publish it in a journal. Yeah, exactly. If I'm going to do something, I'm going to do it proper.
0: Yeah, because it's never been done. Okay, that's something we'll take
1: a look at then. So anyways, let's get back to my ghost story. Because we were talking about uh, earlier about the deprivement of uh, sound. Uh, No, excuse me, light, right? Right, light, right? The the story about the blind man. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, so in Alcatraz, of course, they have the, the, the solitary confinement, the hole. And uh, inmates swear that there was a beast or something, and they've all seen it. The guides have only heard from the inmates. They've, they have never seen it. But one of the most terrifying uh, encounters that occurred was an inmate who was locked in the hole. The hole is uh, basically a, a room in the dark. Uh, sometime in the 1940s. He screamed that someone was in there with him. He cried that it had red glowing eyes, thinking it was made up. The guards left him alone. And eventually the inmate fell silent. They found him dead in the morning with strangulation marks on his neck. So there's a story. That's all there that is, is a story. Uh, but it it has some interesting parameters to it. But when you are putting someone into a black hole, uh darkness, you're depriving them of light. And does that have effect on the
0: brain? So that's my first question to you. Well, the answer is a clear and unequivocal yes. It's exactly. been used as a torture method for years. Exactly. But... Um... You don't even have to go to that extent. You see it on almost every public ghost hunt. And in fact, it's used by the organisers of every public ghost hunt to ensure that the every TV show, too, and every TV show. Um, many years ago, we hired uh, Rosalind Castle. The, those people who've seen the Da Vinci Code will, will um, right. Yeah, um, so we took the team up there and the base room because it, you know it was a medieval castle. Although you could live in it, it you know it had modern con- you know conveniences like beds and toilets, and That's it helpful. It, it was available as a holiday retreat, um, but parts of the castle obviously weren't. Um, but. Inevitably, you know, it had a large kitchen, a large sort of central kitchen area with, you know, a nice central table with lots of chairs. And it was a warm room. You know, medieval castles can be a bit cold and damp. And it was the room that we used as a kind of base meeting room. You know, it's where we spent all day, where we gathered, drank tea and chatted. and It was a very familiar room to everybody. And there's an experiment at at night. We used to ask people to go and sit in the kitchen with the lights off. Now, this was a room that they probably spent eight hours Mm in every single day. But they couldn't spend eight minutes in that room with the lights off because all of a sudden, every unfamiliar or every familiar object in the sort of semi-darkness, of the, you know, because there was a little bit of light sort of... So shadows became menacing. Yeah, you know, I remember as a kid, you know, a dressing gown hanging on the back of a door looked like a figure, sort of menacingly hanging, you know, sort of standing next to the bed. Mm-hmm. So, you know, immediately you deprive somebody of their normal... Uh, normal senses. And we live in a world of light. You know, our our medieval ancestors, they got up when the sun got up, and they go to bed when when the sun went down, and they may may have had a few rudimentary lights for a couple of hours of an evening. Um, But we, you know, you go to a modern... Look at look out of your window, or it's, I cut you can't because it's light there. But I look out of my window now, and it's dark. It's the middle of night. It's not far off midnight, and I can see just a sea of lights everywhere I look. There are lights. We don't. We are not used to being in darkness any longer. We no. did. Uh, we tested this idea. Many uh, about we took Dr. Kieran O'Keefe and Dr. Simon Sherwood and a group from Parascience. Um, on, um, and we, we went 400 feet, 450 feet underground in a coal mine. Oof. We were actually testing an electromagnetic experiment, but we needed to be 450 feet. You know, we wanted rock above us. Yeah, you wanted and, to be uh, shielded. Yeah, we wanted to be shielded. But we were in, you know, we, and we, we realized that we had this unique opportunity to try out another experiment. And we persuaded the owners of the mine museum, the National Mining Museum, uh, who, would let, who would let us use their facilities to turn off all of the lighting, all of the safety lighting and the emergency lighting. Oh, wow. Now, 450 feet below the ground, there is no light. And it was so dark, people actually were saying they didn't know whether their eyes were open or shut. They couldn't decide unless they felt their eyeballs whether their eyes were open or closed. Mm-hmm. It was so dark. Now, we expected the expected result was that people would become extremely frightened extremely quickly. And so we had somebody on standby ready to put the lights on at a, you know, the minute anybody started to freak out. Uh, freak out. Do you know what? Every single person said it was the most relaxing experience that they had ever had. There was no fear, just complete, utter relaxation. Two hours later, we did the same experiment again, but we left some of the emergency lights on. So these were maybe 100, 100 metres away at mm-hmm. the end of a tunnel, and just the dimmest pinprick of light, almost like a, a candle at the end of a you know, you could barely discern them. People were people were frightened because there was just enough light for the brain to start making stuff, you know, make out shadows and images. But complete darkness, we were completely blown away by this, by this result. Right. Um, it, because we weren't expecting it. We thought if it was dark, people would get, Anxious and nervous and freak out, but they didn't. They did. They- but they did when there was just this tiny amount of light. Hmm. So very, I very 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 interesting result, but a unique, very unique, very
1: unique experience too. It, it was, was like you said, it's difficult to to duplicate yeah, in I, today's I mean, world.
0: We, we, I was down there. You know, I was, mm-hmm. I, and I remember it was completely relaxing and you genuinely had to touch your eyes to know whether they were open or closed. It was so strange, hmm. but you know, it, nobody felt any fear. But when we put the emergency lighting on these tiny, tiny lights that just gave a glimmer, people started to get freaky. Very odd. Hmm.
1: So I want to go back to that story of the, the thing in Al- Alcatraz. Now it's a earlier stor- story. Um there was also the aspect where the uh, I forget what the exact words that was found with strangulation marks on his neck. Now we we see this in a lot of TV shows
0: mm-hmm. uh,
1: where people will people be scratched
0: mm-hmm.
1: Now, is that? Something that we ourselves create like an in almost like a uh uh van mentioned by proxy type thing or a van mentioned type thing where we we create our own injuries
0: well it has been it, there have been some you know people have looked at this um mm-hmm. you know cer- certainly the the ability to do that to ourselves is not unknown. Which they
1: feel the thick is actually in in a lot well, of cases.
0: Yeah, um, whether you know, and the ones you see on television, it's hard to decide because they always yeah. say, "Oh, they were scratched in a place that they can't reach." Yeah, I know. Um, I think it's always um, you know, it's like, but there aren't many places except perhaps a small region in our back. But you know, it's surprising actually. If you have an intense itch, you you can reach these places, and there are some people who have got you know um, this hypermobility syndrome. There are people who are double jointed. Um,
1: Harry Houdini.
0: Yeah, so it's very hard in in a television world to to make any judgments at all, and it's very difficult if you. Well, I, I
1: meant more than just the television world. You people don't go on ghost hunts and well, you know exactly. these public well, ghost hunts,
0: yeah. I was going to come on to that and say, and and in the real world, if someone is claiming um, that, you know, they've got a scratch on their back and they can't reach it, well, you can't prove otherwise. You know, you can't prove that they can't reach it Mm -hmm. because if they say, oh, I can't reach it, then you have to take their word for it. But they may be able to do these things or somebody may have done it for them Mm -hmm. or they may have done it accidentally. You know, I got, Uh, back in the summer, I thought I'd been bitten. You know, I thought something had bitten me on the neck. I thought an insect had bitten me on the neck. It was actually a very small fibre, you know, a small piece of loose thread on the collar of a shirt I was wearing Mm -hmm. that was just at the right angle just to... And it was quite a ow Uh moment. But it was just a piece of cotton. Right. And, you know, when you've been sat down and, you know, when you stand up, you know, a shirt can be sort of sticking to you and then gradually you know as you fall away from you and it feels like you know somebody's touching you or somebody's rubbing against you or you know touch isn't that reliable a sense um it's very good at discerning you know a sudden sensation because we need to move our hand away from a burning flame or a sharp object but in all other respects, it's generally quite rubbish. Amputees, for example, or people with um, Parkinson's disease, multiple sclerosis, they can't reliably tell you which part of, um, or if you take an amputee and you stroke um, the residual limb, it will feel to them like you're like you're bending their. Yeah, t- so to ask you about Phantom pain. Oh, it's phantom sensation. Um, yeah, but there's and, also phantom pain too. Oh yeah you can feel you can feel pain in parts of your body that just aren't there anymore um you know it's quite common for amputees to feel that uh, but in addition to but you know as well as pain there is also phantom sensation right where you can you amputees can wiggle the toes on their non-existent you know amp- arm amputees can can wiggle their fingers backwards and forwards um, even though there 's nothing below the elbow, for example, but their brain is sending the same signals, and they 're getting some of the same feedback from the nervous system that suggests that you know it 's all moving and i'm sure every every listener will will know the sensation when they 've been lying awkwardly on their arm and that when they wake up in the morning and their whole arm has gone dead on them because the nerves have been temporarily paralyzed by by being lain upon those those very strange sensations and lack of control when those sensations start to return
1: yeah one of the aspects I was wanted to talk about too of course was you know the fact that what how much can our mind do to our own body for instance I mentioned the that some, they some of the stigmatics you know is created by their own mind and, and not necessarily a physical uh, you know, uh, you know. Otherwise, they didn't like stab themselves or anything. This is is, is created by, and, and we know that certain conditions, uh, you know, like even even dying and not dying uh, are power of the mind, and that some people just give up when they uh, are ill and just die, and other people will go through the most horrendous things and still survive because they have the the will to live on so i i, I mean there's that aspect we that we don't know in other words you know for instance if this guy in the, the thing had strangulation as mark if he was truly believing that he was being strangled uh like your fellow your your friend who was blind he created his own world in his mind he possibly created this creature as well uh you know there's the old science fiction Movie uh, from the Forbidden Planet, where that's exactly what the the race was destroyed because they were able to to create creatures in their own mind. It, not,
0: that's science fiction, I know. I'm not trying to give you that as proof. No, it's not science fiction though, because if if there is if the people in Alcatraz had started a rumor, a story about a beast with glowing red eyes that lived there, mm-hmm. almost every prisoner would know the story, and if he was then thrown in the hole. As well as being you know disorientated by the darkness his his psychology and the, his knowledge of the you know story would start to take effect as well, and okay. he would create that monster in his own mind. There is a fantastic there was a thought experiment that was done years ago oh, it was called the ba uh, the basilisk um i can't remember all the details but it was such a bizarre thought experiment it was actually banned by the professors who really, came up it? with it yeah because it essentially and because it would kill everybody not literally <laughs> not literally it oh. was it was a thought it was entirely a thought experiment so you would imagine that if you if you even thought about this basilisk, it would be it would be created into life in the future, and then because you thought about it in its past and then it would come back, you know, it would it would kill people, it would kill you. Mm-hmm. So oh, I can't remember that who's it's the basilisk thought experiment, if people want to Google it, but immediately you do, you're doomed because you've thought about the basilisk.
1: Ah, it's like the old videotape
0: there that they they play on here and you did. (laughs) It's not. But Mm. Google, if you get a spare minute, Google the Basilisk thought experiment. There is another, like somebody's Basilisk, it's called, like Fred's Basilisk. or Mm -hmm. But um, it's the Basilisk thought experiment. Google it. But, of course, you have to caution anybody before they do, because the minute you start thinking about it, you have enacted it, and the basilisk will come to life in the future, and you're doomed. Lovely. No, it's, it's quite a clever experiment. But it's an interesting insight into the way that our psychology, our human psyche, and our fears and expectations can lead us, you know, down some dark rabbit holes. Right.
1: Like people, you know, even in that cell, I'm, I'm sure... They weren't 450 feet on the ground, so there was some light, I bet just seeping in somewhere, which we already talked maybe, about.
0: Maybe, but which he, which helped create create images and yeah. Maybe. Mm-hmm. You know, and we don't know, you know, what these are right, you're gonna go in the hole and the beast will get you. Mm-hmm. Or he may have known about the beast. In fact, he probably did because, you know, yeah. a prison is a very small community. And if, if somebody, they would know all of the stories and all of oh, you, the last man that went in the hole. And in his deranged, sleep crazed state, he could well end up strangling himself. Well, unfortunately. Not, uh, not knowing about it.
1: I can't strangle myself because <laughs> I have another show after this, but we do have to go. Uh, by the way, the book we were talking about was the Voynich Manuscript. Oh, yeah. yeah, And paracoustics, sound of the paranormal. Yeah, yeah, but (laughs) Uh, the reason I brought that up because uh, they were talking about Queen Mary's uh, decoded messages, but uh, maybe I'll ask you about that next week, but we do have to go anyways. You've been listening to Ghost Chronicles International with Steve Passan and Ron Kolick right here on uh, Tojinet. and if you do like us, join us on Ghost Chronicles Radio on Patreon and become a member. It's three bucks a month, Uh, which is less than three bucks in the uk i believe so uh there you go um we're brought to you by circles of wisdom 386 Merrick street mathua massachusetts the glant Messier family live group stay tuned for ghost chronicles next generation good night god bless good night thanks steve no problem